Paul in writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12 gives to us an understanding about how we are to grow and develop Christ-like disciples. Will you read this verse with me, please? 1 Timothy 4.12, we'll start with the reference, we'll read the verse, and then we'll finish with the reference. Here we go. 1 Timothy 4.12, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. 1 Timothy 4.12. One of the things I appreciate about Calvary Baptist Church is the students who are involved. I am so thankful that our young people are willing to share and serve. Not only are they the church tomorrow, they're the church today. And as we develop them as Christ-like disciples, we too can be developed as Christ-like disciples. Now, in order for our students to do that, we need to teach our children to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And we do a couple of things to reach into our communities for our children We have RBM ministry that is a release time ministry that takes place here at Calvary Baptist Church from September through May. And last year in our RBM ministry, we had some 20 kids that came from Verona School once a month and they were taught the Word of God. Amen? Another way that we do that is through Child Evangelism Fellowship. Sarah Roth. Sarah, where are you this morning? Sarah Roth is the Barry Calhoun County, Executive Director of Child Evangelism Fellowship, and Sarah is involved in a number of our ministries here. She helps us sometimes with our trunk or treat or or our Kids Winter Fun Fest and comes in and shares with us. And one of the things that happened through Child Evangelism Fellowship this year is a number of our students went up to CYIA, that's Christian Youth in Action, so that they could be trained on how to present the gospel. And then last week, two of our students were involved in five-day clubs. It was held at the Wagner residence, and there were some 14, 15 kids there every day, and seeds were planted in their lives. Now, I say all of that because this morning, those two students are going to share with us some of the things that they shared during their five-day clubs. Cassie Snowball. Cassie did the missionary story. Come on, Cassie. Cassie is going to share with us her missionary story. And I want you all to pretend that you're sixth grade and under. Can you do that this morning? Okay, Cassie. We ready for this? All right, good deal. Thank you. Did you know that in India, there's the most children in the world? In one country, there's the most children in the whole world. Well, that's, India is where our story is today. See, there's this boy named Ringu, and he has a family, a mother and a father and a brother and a sister. See, they're all in the ox cart. Today, they're going in the marketplace. That's called a bazaar in India. When they're going to the marketplace, they're gonna pick up some stuff for their oxen to make them look all nice and shiny. Because tomorrow, they're going to have a big festival in their little town. They celebrate oxen. It's the festival of the oxen. They clean them up, and they race them, and they make, and they have all sorts of contests with them. But in India, they think oxen are so special, they worship them. So that's 
what the Festival of the Oxen was for. So today, Ringu gets to drive the ox cart. He's pretty excited, proud of himself. But they get closer to a dark forest. And they get closer, and Ringu starts watching the trees. Because there might be wild animals that could hurt the oxen, so they couldn't present them. Or maybe the Indians thought there were evil spirits in the trees that could hurt the oxen too. So they rode carefully through the forest. It felt like forever, but finally they were out of the forest. Ringo went, phew. So after they were out of the forest, they went through the marketplace. Father was picking out some coconuts and mother was looking at some brushes and soap. Then, Ringu's little brother, his name was Batu. He looked around and he couldn't see Ringu. It was really crowded. So he turned around, uh-oh, there's Ringu. He was holding his foot up and there was a big thorn stuck in his foot. It was this big, stuck right in his heel. He pulled it out, it was really painful. So we hobbled back, and finally, they could continue shopping. Ringu didn't really like shopping. Batu didn't either, so they were both bored, following their mom and dad, walking, and suddenly Ringu sees a fruit cart. He really likes fruit. Who likes fruit? Well, Ringu's favorite fruit was a banana and he saw a big pile of yellow juicy bananas and he really wanted one. And then he checked his pocket and he didn't have any money. So he looked around, there was no one watching him. So he snuck over and he stuck a banana in his pocket. Now that's not right, he didn't have any money. He couldn't pay for the banana, that's stealing, right? It's not a very good thing to do. But even if you really wanted that banana, do you think it was still right? No, it wasn't right. But, uh-oh, Ringu lost his family again. So he hurried back, and father was looking at the coconuts. Here's one. Here's one. And he pays for the coconuts. And mother's looking at brushes, and here's a fine brush. So she buys the brush, and she buys the soap and they head home. But on their way home, Ringu and Batu heard something. It was music. It was coming from back there in the market. So they walked over, and then Batu's gone, so Ringu's trying to find him, so he starts running faster and faster, and suddenly he runs into somebody. As somebody has a bunch of papers and the papers are all over the dirty ground now. Ringu's kind of scared because this man might be angry at him. So he starts running away. But then the man grabs him and says, hey, it's okay. You can help me pick these papers up. He looked up and it was a man, Grub Sahib. He was a missionary to that town. Ringu had really wanted to meet him. He had been talking about some things. Ringu was interested. As they helped pick up the papers, and they helped pick up all the papers that were all over the ground, 
the last one. Grub Sahib picked it up and brushed it off and gave it to Ringu. Now, Ringu couldn't read, so he looked at the paper, and there's a bunch of gibberish on it. He couldn't read. Grub Sahib said, this is paper with words from God on it. God is very powerful. He can take away all the evil spirits. Now, Ringu was impressed because the evil spirits were strong. He'd never heard of anyone stronger. So he picked up the paper and he looked at it. Batu said, I found the music, I found the music. So Ringo hurried back over and he saw a man sitting on the ground playing a big box. Now this was a weird box. It had black and white buttons on one side and you pushed and pulled on levers on the other side. It made beautiful music. Batu and Ringu loved it. They sat in the ground in front of the man, and they were listening to the music. It was beautiful music. But then the man closed up the box after he was done with the song. And then he stood up. He was one of the Indian men. He said, my name is Pandu. I play this music box for Grub Sahib. I used to be one of you guys. I used to be afraid of the evil spirits, but then I met Grub Sahib. He told me about Jesus, and Jesus set me free from the evil spirits. I don't have to be afraid of them anymore. Now, Ringu was really interested now. He had heard of someone who actually was saved from evil spirits. He was wondering, and he was thinking that Batu went, Ringu, that's not right. If the evil spirits here were talking about this, They'll be really angry. But Ringu said, hey, they won't be angry. What's, what's this old paper and a bunch of music going to do? But as he went home, his foot started hurting worse and worse. He laid on the bed on the porch. Oh, he didn't feel too good. His foot was even giving him a headache because it hurt so bad. And then he remembered the festival of the oxen. He had to run behind the oxen for the race. And if he couldn't do that with a sore foot. So he was really upset. And his father came over and said, Ringu, what's the matter? You look kind of pale. And Ringu tried to hold back his tears, but he couldn't. And he started crying. And he said, oh, father, I really want to go to the ox race, but my foot hurts so bad, I might be sick. Now, what does your family do if someone's sick or injured? They might give you some medicine or take you to a doctor. But if it's really bad, they'll take you to a hospital, right? Now, there weren't any hospitals, and Ringu's father didn't have medicine, and he didn't want to take him to a doctor far away. So, in India, they sent for a witch doctor. Now, a witch doctor, they thought, could take away the evil spirits which were making the sickness. Now, the witch doctor was kind of ugly. He had all these bracelets, and a big piece of hair was sticking out of his hat. Ringu didn't like him very much, but he thought, maybe he can do something to help me. Maybe. So, the witch doctor bent down and tied a string around Ringu's ankle. Then he did strange things. He muttered strange words that Ringu couldn't understand. Then 
and then he went away. Now Ringo thought, that's not gonna help me much. A string around my ankle? This was gonna rub against the sore and make it worse, right? It's really thick rope. So he went to bed, and he thought things would get better tomorrow, because tomorrow was the festival, right? He'd be all better. But the next morning, it hurt even worse. The string did rub against his ankle in the night. But he walked over to the oxen as best he could and washed them off with a new soap and new brushes. Yes, they were beautiful. He could race them. So he got behind them in the starting line, and they were off. He was running and running as fast as he could. And he ran faster and faster faster than everybody else, and his oxen were fast enough that they won the race. That was pretty impressive. Ringo had the fastest oxen in the whole town, and the most beautiful, too. Ringo's father was very proud of Ringo. Look at this, he said. You won the race. You got first place. I'm very proud of you, son. And Ringo was proud of himself, too. He won. That night, his foot was even worse. The dirt had gone in it, and it rubbed, and it hurt so bad, he could hardly walk on it anymore. He was glad he had the chance to run, but maybe, maybe it was a mistake. It hurt so bad. Ringu's father said, okay, let's go get the witch doctor again. So they went and got the witch doctor. And Ringo's father paid the witch doctor, because if he didn't pay him, the evil spirits wouldn't be too happy. So the witch doctor came over, and this time he had a bag with him. He opened it, took out some stuff, and threw it in the air. Ringo sneezed, achoo, achoo. It was red pepper floating all around in the air and making everybody sneeze. Witch doctor said the sneezes would drive away the evil spirits. But then, he leaned close into Ringu and blew in his ear really hard. It made Ringu cry, see a sad face. He wasn't too happy. But the witch doctor said, the pain will help take it away. And then he took out some juice and a bottle of black powder. And he poured the black powder on the foot and then poured the liquid on it and rubbed it super hard. It was making Ringu scream and cry. Now, he wasn't very happy. He was crying harder. So witch doctor chanted weird words and tied the peacock feather around his ankle. This isn't going to help me. It's just making my foot worse, Ringu thought. Please, can someone help me? Will my foot get worse and worse? If I won't, if it doesn't, oh no. Ringu realized something. If his foot did get better, he couldn't go to school. If he couldn't go to school, he couldn't learn to read. Then what would happen with the words from God that Grub Sahib had given him on the paper? Will Ringu's foot get worse and worse? Will he ever be able to go to school again? Or will he get better? You'll have to come back to me to find out. Great job, Cassie. Thank you so much. This was Monday's story. So four more parts. See Cassie. She'll give you some private instruction about what happens to Rangu, okay? Great job, kiddo. Thank you so very, very much.
During the five-day clubs, not only do they have a missionary story, but they also have a Bible story. And Samuel Paternoster taught the Bible story this past week. And so I'm going to ask Samuel to come and share with us. Remember, you're sixth graders or lower right now, all right? Samuel, God bless you. If you were to be going on a journey somewhere, you would need to know how to get there. And some ways that you might know where you're going is by using a map or a GPS, um, so that way you can know which path you need, you need to take. And the driver of your vehicle also has to pay attention for any road signs, so that way they know what street they have to turn onto, and they need to make sure that they are looking out for one-way signs, right turn only signs, stop lights or stop signs, so that way they can do what they need to to get where they're going. And our story today is talking about two people who are on a journey. One person knew Jesus and would tell others about him. The other person knew a little bit about God, but wanted to know more. And that person who was sharing about God was a man named Philip. And Philip knew the Lord Jesus as his Savior, and he would share with other people about him. And he went, uh, he especially was in Samaria, going to the different towns and preaching the gospel. Um, and one day, uh, while he was presumably in Jerusalem, um, the angel of the Lord came to Philip and, hol and told him, arise and go along the road that, that leads south between Jerusalem and Gaza. And this path was uh, about 60 to 70 miles long. So if any of you have done the one-mile run or walk at your school, imagine trying to do that 60 or 70 times in a row. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, and why would God ask Philip to go to this place where there wasn't anyone? People didn't just live alongside the road in the middle of the desert. Uh, but Philip knew that, what, that he should do what God said, and that was enough for him. And that should be enough for us as well. Because um, Philip, he wanted to tell other people about Jesus. And God wants those of us who know him as our Savior, he wants us to do the same. And in 2 Timothy 2, it says for us that we should do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Um, so we should do our best to know the Bible so that way we can share it with other people. Because for us to share the gospel, we need to know it ourselves. We need to study the Bible. So that way, if someone has a question for us, we can answer them. We can tell them about Jesus. And we should pray to God that he will give us opportunities to share. Give us those opportunities where people will ask us questions or where we can have a conversation with our friends or family about Jesus. And we should pray for the words to speak and the bravery to actually be able to say it. Um, and Philip had that bravery. He knew that what God wanted him to do 
was good and perfect and that God had a plan. So that was enough for Philip. So he rose and he went out along that road. The other man uh, who was traveling had a much longer journey. He had come from over a thousand miles away from Jerusalem. He had come from Ethiopia. And the Bible says that he came to Jerusalem to worship. Uh, he had heard about uh, the, the living true God of the Israelites, and he wanted to know more about him because he knew that he had an emptiness inside of him. And some of you may have come uh, to church today because you know that you have an emptiness inside of you as well. And that's from, uh, that emptiness is God telling you that he's not in your life. Uh, it could be. And when, uh, and, and that's because sin separates us from God. And the sin is anything that we think, say, or do that breaks God's laws. That's when we get in fights with our brothers or sisters, or when we steal from people, or lie to our parents. The, the stuff that God doesn't want us to do um, separates us from him, so we can't be in that great relationship with God that he wants us to be. Uh, and every single one of us sins. The Bible in Ecclesiastes says that surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Every single one of us is born a sinner. No one had to teach you how to yell at your siblings or uh, get mad when someone's playing with the toy that you want to play with instead. You're born with it. And so was this Ethiopian. And he wanted to learn more, but... He couldn't go to the temples in Jerusalem and worship, uh, worship God there because he wasn't a Jew. He wasn't one of God's people, so he wasn't allowed to go into the temple. Instead, he could just watch the other, watch the Israelites go in and out. Uh, but when he left Jerusalem, he was able to take with him a part of the scriptures. Uh, and back in those days, they didn't keep their scriptures in books like we do now. They kept them in scrolls like what he's holding up in the picture. And when he got on his chariot to leave Jerusalem, uh, he, was, he started reading it. And he got to, uh, well, his, 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 his part of the scriptures that he had was from the prophet Isaiah. Uh, it was the stuff that Isaiah wrote which we have in our Bibles as well in the Old Testament. And one of the parts that he was reading and was really confused about was where it says, he is oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before it shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And this really confused the Ethiopian. He could read the words, but they didn't make sense. It was like a mystery, or it seemed like a language that he couldn't read because it just didn't make sense. And as he was going along the road, uh, 
the other man that was on a journey and saw him. Uh, Philip was along that same road, and when he saw the chariot, the Lord said to Philip, go over to that chariot, uh, meet up with it. And Philip was excited, because this was the opportunity that he had been looking for, where God had someone for him to tell about Jesus. So Philip, he actually ran as fast as he could to get up, to catch up with the chariot. And the fact that these two people met together in the desert is no coincidence. That was God's planning, because God is all-powerful. He is sovereign. So he knew that the Ethiopian would be traveling along this road. So he sent Philip, so that way they could meet together, and they could talk about him. And God uh, brought you here to church today as well, so that way you could hear about him and how great he is and how much he loves us. And in 1 John, it tells us that we love, we can love each other, and we can love God because he first loved us. We don't love him because we're so loving and we were so great. It's because God loved us first. He showed us the perfect love uh, that he has, and then we are able to show it back to him and to each other. And he created every single one of us. He knows everything about every single one of you. He knows how many hairs are on your head, uh, and he knows everything because he made it, and he loves you. And he put every single one of us here so that way we can learn about him. And that is why Philip and the Ethiopian were brought together. And when Philip ran up to the Ethiopian, he heard what the Ethiopian was reading. And he asked the Ethiopian if he understood it. And the man said, how can I unless someone explains it to me? And I can just imagine how excited Philip would have, must have gotten right then. Uh, because the Ethiopian was uh, asking about Jesus. Um, and he invited Philip to get on the chariot with him. And I don't think that Philip even had to think for a second about whether or not he would get on. And when he did, uh, the Ethiopian asked, what uh, the writer was talking about, who he was talking about, um, when he says he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. The Ethiopian wanted to know if, he was, if, the, if Isaiah was talking about himself or maybe someone else, and he didn't know. But Philip knew that this was a prophecy. This was something that God had told Isaiah years and years and years ago about what was going to happen to Jesus. Jesus was nailed on a cross, and he did it willingly. He was the perfect son of God who was sent to earth to live a perfect life, but then he became the sacrifice for all of us. Back in uh, 
back in Isaiah's time, the people had to give sacri- had to give sacrifices to God. They would kill animals, so that way they could be uh, forgiven of their sins and uh, they could worship God. And then when Jesus came, He became the sacrifice that could forgive all of our sins. The animals could would not last forever. They would have to keep killing more and more. But Jesus came, he died, he bled, and then he came back to life. And then many people saw him while he was still alive. And then he went back up to heaven, where he is now. And uh, in Revelations, it says that Jesus, who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, because of his sacrifice, we can be cleansed from our sins. And when Philip explained this to the Ethiopian, he understood and he was so excited. So when, as they were continuing on the road, they saw a pond in the desert. And the Ethiopian asked, hey, what's stopping me right now from being baptized? And Philip said, you just have to believe. And joyfully, the Ethiopian said, I believe that Jesus is God and that he died for my sins and that I can be forgiven and live with him in in heaven. And then uh, to show that he believed in Jesus, he was baptized. And then something crazy happened uh, right after Philip baptized the Ethiopian. In Acts 8, it says, And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the Ethiopian saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he passed through, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Sisera. So after, the, uh, after Philip had baptized the Ethiopian, God took him away and took Philip to a different town where he could uh, tell others about Jesus. And the Ethiopian was so excited that he had learned about God. And so he could know as he went back home to Ethiopia, he knew that he was on the right track. He was uh, going on God's path. So what about you? All of you, are, are you on the right path right now? Are you, uh, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Because if you don't, do you realize that the sin that you do, that you've done, uh, is separating you from God? You can't be in his perfect presence if you have sin. And the only way that you can get rid of your sin is to have Jesus come into your life. So that way, when God looks at you, he doesn't look at your badness. He looks at Jesus' goodness. That's the only way. So what do we learn from all of this? Remember our verse? 1 Timothy 4, 12. Let's just read the verse together, all right? Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Let no one despise you for your fill-in-the-blank. Whether it's a young person, an old person. Whether it's a Bible-believing Christian. 
we live in a culture that examines our lives according to what they think we believe. But yet the scripture says that we are not to be despised because we have a relationship with God through his son Jesus Christ. And that exhortation in our lives is to be seen by all around us because we are to be an example. You see it there? But set the believers an example. I am so thankful for the many, many folks that pour their lives into our children's lives, into our students' lives, into our adult lives. And each one of us needs to be that example to one another so that they will not only see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven, but so they they might recognize what it means to be a believer. Paul had a Timothy, right? And Paul poured his life into Timothy's life. Timothy had a Paul. Timothy looked at Paul to understand what it was like to be a Christian and what it meant to live out that Christianity. Do you have a Paul in your life? Do you have someone who mentors you, who sets the example for you, who shares in your life? If you don't get one, find a Paul. Do you have a Timothy in your life? Somebody into whose life you are building and encouraging and exampling, mentoring what it means to be a believer? If you don't, get one. And it be an example to the believers in what? In speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. That pretty well covers it, doesn't it? We could tear apart each of these words and and look at them and understand exactly what Paul is telling Timothy. But the reality is, be an example in life. When I was a kid, there was a song that went something like this. I want to be more than a Sunday go to meet in Christian. And if we are going to be more than Sunday go to meet in Christians, we need to be examples in life. And so let me encourage you this morning, as you have seen Cassie and, and Samuel share with us and see how God is working in their lives, ask yourself, how is God working in my life? Do I get in situations where I allow people to despise me because I'm a Christian? Or do I live out that Christianity as an example? Speech, conduct, love, faith, purity in life. I'm thankful that we here at Calvary Baptist Church can live that out in our lives. Amen? Because that's what God has called us to do. And if we're going to be Christ-like disciples who are passionate about our God, obedient to his word, dependent upon him in prayer, connected to one another, authentic and relevant, then we need to be examples in our lives. I'm so glad that you came today. Thank you so much.
little different service, but a service that I trust was an encouragement not only to Cassie and Samuel and our students, but to you as we recognize what God has called us to do. Can we finish with this verse this morning? Let's read it together. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. And all God's people said, Amen.